Hello everyone and welcome back to the Hold for Hold Pro Wrestling Podcast. I am your host Jaime. I am officially out of the closet, the cramp closet that is, um, that served as the headquarters to the Steer Podcast for like 15 episodes, something like that. Um, I have finally feel comfortable enough to use this desk, record in my room, uh, aka office, aka studio. Um, So yeah, this is exciting news, right? I mean, this is the launching point to superstardom, I feel like. Um, But with that being said, this may become a, they may actually become a launching point because if you have stuck around since the first days of the Hold for Hold pro wrestling podcast, you would know that I used to record the podcast on Twitch, live stream, um, and have my face clearly in it, and used to upload the podcast to YouTube. So those steps may be coming back. I don't know quite yet, you know. Um, I gotta run it up the ladder. But uh, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I think this episode, though, will be the returning episode to the Hold for Hold YouTube channel. Uh, so if you prefer to listen to your podcast that way, uh, this episode will be there. Uh, again, you will not see my face. I will just have like an image there, a thumbnail basically there the whole time. But, you know, dealer's choice, however you like to listen. Um, today, we have a supersized show. Like, this is insane how much news I got to cover and pro wrestling, um, but it was all relatively good stuff, and I think we have some really insightful news stories that I'm about to talk about with y'all. Um, we're going to talk the takeaways from WWE's quarter two earnings call. We're going to discuss the launch of a new NXT brand and subsequently the end of an NXT brand. Uh, Bray Wyatt, he may return to WWE. We have some news about that. And uh, finally, I'm going to end it off with a little bit of a like a story that isn't necessarily that big of news. I just think it's very insightful into the way that WWE is being ran right now. Uh, and that is Top Dollar. He gave an interview with Bust Open Radio. So we're going to go over some points in there. Uh, so let's kick it off with the takeaways from the Q2 earnings call from the WWE, that giant money-hungry corporation. Um, this is really boring stuff, to be honest. Like, I I like money, right? I think most of us could agree with that. But I don't like reading reports or listening to people talk about it that much. I'm here as a pro wrestling fan, you know? But it is important. It affects everything that goes on uh, in that company. So essentially, my big takeaway was that the investigation into Vince McMahon is, quote, substantially complete. Um, whether or not that's the right call, I, I don't I don't really know. I, I, it, to me, it seems like they've only dug up dirt from like the last five years. And um, I'm pretty sure there's plenty more they could find. So I don't know if this is a save face moment or just you know let's try to move past it i don't really know doesn't seem like justice is being served though i will say that much um so with that in mind that was pretty much it that was like literally the only thing i cared about from this q2 or earnings call i know there was some like trump stuff that got in there about like the way they were 
donating to his foundation didn't like match how you're supposed to donate but again that's just really boring so let's not even discuss that let's talk about something that's really interesting and that's wwe announcing that they're going to launch nxt europe nxt eu no longer just uk um and since i don't watch nxt 2.0 i wasn't going to cover this on the show especially because it was a huge spoiler but nxt 2.0 this past week they had their heat wave uh like super show and at the end of the show tyler Bate comes out with his newly crowned nxt uk title which i did not know he was the uk champ i didn't have it spoiled for me uh until that moment holds it up high uh as braun breaker had just defeated uh jordan devlin so right there that kind of said to me okay they're gonna do worlds collide because all week in the news nxt uk had been the news for um kind of an uneasiness right now because apparently the bt sports arena that they film at was gonna need the space for the next couple weeks to shoot soccer games so to me i was like okay you know that's gonna be a delay but they'll probably you know take the top talent put them on nxt 2.0 do a worlds collide once that concludes we'll kind of be back to normal not the case at all apparently as uh, wwe today announced the worlds collide will take place september 4th and that'll kind of be the subsequent wrap-up of nxt uk and they'll go on hiatus until they're ready to launch nxt europe personally i'm a little bit saddened by this uh because nxt uk has been consistently one of the best products that wwe has put out the last few years um, I credit them for having the best WWE match of the entire pandemic era with Walter uh, Dragunov 1. Uh, so it's tough. It's a tough situation. I don't know. You know, there's like this other standpoint too of how NXT UK affected the indie market in the, uh, in the UK and how it essentially just like completely drained them of all their best talent. And while I don't know much about the European uh indie scene from like a very local level i know that there are big promotions out there in areas that uh wwe europe is going to be in uh they mentioned being in germany and germany is home to uh, uh wxw which is a promotion that has seen a lot of great talent come through there uh walter specifically is one guy that really comes to mind um that's kind of where i first heard about walter's uh, matches. Same with Timothy Thatcher uh, was over there for a little while. Um, and I think Pac went over there. Might be wrong about that. But either way, that whole like landscape, that's a little bit concerning because I don't want to see local wrestling get hurt because WWE is trying to stretch out their umbrella um, to encompass this area. And um, it's a little weird. We're going to see. We are going to see how this, you know, is received by the European crowd. I, I think it shouldn't really like i don't really see the point in doing it to be honest and you know that's just me i don't really understand it um i think nxt uk was kind of just fine as it is now like you already did it just stick with it and maybe commit to promoting this thing more but i don't know we'll see um it'll also be interesting to see the branding that they'll use for nxt uk are they going to stick to the traditional uh, black, red, and yellow, or are they gonna, you know, branch out, do all these colors and white and everything else that they do with 2.0? Uh, so we're gonna see. I would love to see, though, now that I'm really kind of thinking about it, 
I would love to see Worlds Collide become not only a nexus point for NXT UK, but also NXT 2.0. I would really enjoy like a complete rebrand of 2.0. Like, you know, it doesn't have to be black and yellow, but it could be subtle. It could be a little less loud and bright and a headache to look at. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see how this goes. Like I said, this news just broke not that long ago, so I didn't get to form too many thoughts about this. This is a pretty raw and honest review of this, and I'm not looking forward to the consequences, but I do think we're going to like still get great matches out of NXT Europe, and maybe the crowd engagement will be different, and you'll get to have a more variety of uh, wrestling and crowds, uh, which is always fun. So we'll see. I know I said that a lot, but that's all we, I could say for right now, honestly, is we will see. Uh, let's switch gears here. Other big WWE news. We have Bray Wyatt possibly returning to the WWE. There's no timeline, so it doesn't feel spoiler really to talk about this. Um, but I mostly am interested in this story because it, it gives a, a good glimpse into Bray Wyatt's working relationship with Vince McMahon. Uh, so Fightful Select started this report a while ago by saying that Bray Wyatt's name was being thrown out there for a possible return. And many people uh, have kind of tagged along here. They're like, yeah, we've heard that. Um, but many people within the company are kind of gave a better viewpoint of why his, he could be coming back, like why it's more realistic. Because from my viewpoint, back when he was released it kind of just seemed like he was done wrestling altogether he was going to move on to hollywood and kind of leave this all behind right but it seems as though his relationship with pro wrestling wasn't the issue it was his relationship with vince mcmahon um apparently they had an they had plenty of arguments between each other that kind of got ugly whenever bray wyatt would call out his creative being bad vince mcmahon would go into derogatories and just be a child essentially um and this this butting of heads probably pushed him out of the company and now that there is a new regime in uh in hunter herms hunter hurst helmsley uh there's kind of a likelihood that he'll be making his way back and plenty of people within the company that fightful talked to really do believe that there's a great chance that bray wyatt will be returning to wwe and it's an interesting name for me i've never been the biggest Bray Wyatt fan. I think he's a phenomenal wrestler. Don't get me wrong. I think he's explosive, very fun in the ring. The super character work that he does isn't necessarily my taste. And you know, that could be because he was putting out a compromised version of what he had envisioned and compromised in a way that probably wasn't for its own good. So we'll see. There was bits and pieces I liked of The Fiend. There was bits and pieces I liked of Bray Wyatt. But overall, I feel like his creative stalled and didn't really go anywhere for a long time. And it took performers to do it on their own to get his character over. Like The Fiend, where you would see after he feud with someone, there was kind of a dramatic change in that person's character, whether or not they beat The Fiend. Um, and that stuff, I don't know how much was Bray, how much was Vince, how much was, you know, like Rollins or Danielson just kind of rolling with it. So it'll be interesting to see if he does come back, what his new creative would entail, and 
what he really wants to do in pro wrestling, I guess, in that way. Because when he left, it was also just a different time. He left in the pandemic era. He was doing more cinematic matches than anything else, which I think allowed his vision to kind of be um, more... uh, It was fully expanded upon, not fully, but more expanded upon than you could do in a standard wrestling match. As we saw with his Hell in a Cell match with Seth Rollins, I think the ideas there were cool, but in execution, it's kind of lame because you're doing this in a wrestling ring. Uh, so to be able to do like the Firehouse, Firefly Funhouse match was a better uh, fit for his style of storytelling. But with that era kind of gone now, I don't necessarily see a return to cinematic matches anytime soon. I just don't know where he would fit in. But the creative on Raw and SmackDown is substantially better in the last couple weeks and it looks to be a more collaborative uh, uh, more collaborative uh, environment. There we go. That's the word. More collaborative environment that's really translating on the screen. And I think that is somewhere that Bray Wyatt could do well in. You know, it's the biggest audience for him by far even including hollywood right now starting out in hollywood he wouldn't be able to grab the attention that he could get right now in wwe so i wouldn't be shocked i would really enjoy it i even thought we got a tease this week but i've been kind of pulling back on whether or not it was a real tease but we'll talk about that when we get to it um switching gears now we're gonna go into chris statlander she confirmed she is suffering uh, in a knee injury and she's going to undergo surgery she's going to be out of action for a while um, I hate reporting these kind of things because it makes me a little sad because I really like you know Chris Statlander I like I like my wrestlers to be healthy so it sucks to have to report this but she posted on Instagram of her working out despite her knee injury and like she voice recorded it and she confirmed that she completely tore her ACL and lateral meniscus so she's gonna be out for a while she doesn't have a surgery date yet so yeah it really sucks and hope she gets better she's a phenomenal talent and um, I think she could be the person to beat Jade Cargill um, it, on upon her return so that'd be that'd be good stuff um, sticking with AEW let's talk about their fight forever video game there was a lot of leaks last week and maybe two weeks ago uh, but finally, AEW held like a Twitch stream showing off the game, and it looks fun, guys. It looks really fun. As someone who plays wrestling video games a lot, um, I'm always like really intrigued on what AEW is going to do with this game. Uh, the cover art leaked. It looked a little bit plain, so I'm hoping they'll fill it out later on. Um, but the most like noteworthy thing to come out of their Twitch stream was they showed some of the mini games that you would play inside of their story mode and they looked very cartoonish very almost like a child uh like child friendly games um and i don't know i don't know how to feel about it just quite yet obviously i would want to play it to like really get the sense of it but um it definitely just seems like aw's going in a they're not going to follow the standard of video game uh wrestling video games that's been laid out the last few years with the 2k series um so we'll see looks fun though looks very fun kind of a nothing news story there but you know I care I like that stuff uh but now we're going to get into what possibly is my favorite story this week kind of an just a real interesting behind the curtain look 
of how returning talent are being treated under the the WWE um, regime under Triple H, whatever. Um, Top Dalla recently had an interview on Busted Open Radio. He explained how his return, him and spoiler alert, Hit Rose return to uh, SmackDown came to be. And I like that he gave a lot of context here. He said that he never really stopped talking to Triple H. He would constantly send him clips of what he was doing in GCW and other appearances here and there. And, you know, just kind of hinting like, hey, you know, we're not done here. I really like that. That's that's really just so nice to hear, you know, that someone can still reach out to Triple H like that. Um, but then he, he mentions like everyone stayed in ring ready. B-Fab lives in Colombia, so she was always ready because she was just constantly modeling. Um, Adonis was doing model work and movie work, and they would tag team now and then. So kind of like they kept the pieces together. Uh, he said that Hunter reached out on a Wednesday and asked how fast you guys can make it over here, and they were like, we could be here tomorrow. That's crazy to me considering that B-Fab lives in Colombia. Um, but yeah this next part really interesting stuff so following their release uh there was like reports that top dollar was had added to problems which was going around a lot during the big release stuff was wwe i think was just kind of linking oh this person had added to problems when in reality it just seemed like people who stuck up for themselves were deemed bad to work with or whatever but anyways top dollar responded to these reports going out from the time and he just said i was standing up for bfab and myself like and that's what it kind of seems like, you know? Anyways, though, he continues saying that Triple H told him that it was a clean slate when they returned. Um, he said that Triple H mentioned, I don't know what happened before. And to be honest, I don't care. It's a new place. I want you to understand that if you come here, it's a clean slate. There's no hard feelings on this side. And I hope you come with no hard feelings on your side. And he said that was a breath of fresh air. I really like hearing stuff like that, man pulling back the curtain a little bit, giving us an understanding of how these people are, are, you know, communicating with each other on a real human level. And I just love that stuff. I love hearing that. So really good, feel good story here. As we enter into the recap and review section here, we're going to start off with WWE's uh, Friday Night Smackdown from this past week. SmackDown started off this week with the tag title tournament opening round match between Raquel Gonzalez and Aaliyah taking on the team of Shotzi and Zia Lee. No big surprise here. I kind of felt like both teams were figuring out their chemistry still, um, but it was a fun enough match. Uh, towards the finish here, Aaliyah hit a spear on Shotzi before Raquel hit a uh, chingona bomb on Zia Lee for the win advancing them into the semifinals during the match uh, I forgot to write this down but during the match uh, Natty and Sonya Deville were like ringside kind of judging this match and then they kind of get involved and so there's a big old brawl before a commercial break between all four of these teams I thought it was nice it was a good way to make the tournament feel more uh, alive especially with most of these teams being thrown together teams Following this, we had Karrion Cross and Scarlett cutting a backstage promo, very sneakily cutting a backstage promo. Uh, nice lighting here, uh, a real serious shot of Karrion Cross and Scarlett. Essentially, they just kind of state the obvious that they were disregarded from WWE. 
quote like broken toys to be forgotten i didn't very much like that line it kind of felt like it was lotso from toy story 3 uh but then they waited for the right time to strike and they did uh cross then said that they would show a new timeline to the wwe emphasizing that everyone pays the toll and then they look they kind of do a zoom out and you can see where they're set up to do this promo is near gorilla and in gorilla is Drew McIntyre warming up and so like carrying cross uh, looks out into kind of creepily looks over the corner and sees him it, it was a, it was well done it was a little a little corny but it was fine I liked it uh, then we get Drew McIntyre in the ring he cuts a promo um, he tells the crowd you know sadly their tribal chief is not here tonight and uh, I really I really like first of all let me just like get back to this real quick about the uh like the gorilla position thing i like that it goes from that to yes there's a commercial but then also we come back and drew mcintyre is doing the thing that we just saw i know it's small but that's definitely a change that i don't think we appreciate enough because if you remember during the vince era of stuff you would have these like literally like announced bits that were gonna happen next and then they don't for like 12 minutes because there's four other things that's actually happening and that oh that used to drive my gear because people used to just stand in the ring for like 12 minutes while that stuff was going on but anyways drew mcintyre in the ring cutting a promo he tells the crowd about the tribal chief not being there but he also addresses uh, Karrion Cross's attack on him from behind in the previous episode and then he tells him you know if Karrion Cross steps to me again I'm gonna put him in the hospital or better yet a grave that was good stuff I I enjoy this fiery uh, Drew McIntyre he's then interrupted by Scarlet uh, she takes so long to get to the ring and the music for their like run-ins it, it's not as good as it is for their entrance because it, it just has a really long buildup, so it makes an awkward thing there but anyway scarlet makes her way to the ring but before she's able to really say anything the usos attack drew mcintyre from behind they give him a 1d um this is the part that i really liked no mics you can only hear it from i'm guessing the mic in the ring uh but the usos hit the 1d then they look at scarlet and then they're like tell your boy don't mess with us don't do it don't mess with us and scarlet's like tell your boss my boss says the same thing i didn't do it justice i liked it in the moment though because it, it ties together all three strings here of people and feuds going on right i, I enjoy that um, after this we get a video package detailing the history of the intercontinental championship and how it's a workhorse title you work every show you defend it all the time and that's a blue collar title it's for the real hard-working men in the company i really enjoyed it really love these uh vignettes for the ic title it makes these matches feel big um it gives us you know kind of a clean slate of the understanding of what this title is supposed to represent because while wrestling fans like ourselves know that right like we know what the ic title stands for and the potential it has it definitely has not been emphasized in recent years so good stuff i like that after this we get an interview with shinsuke nakamura and before uh i forget her name i think it's megan she's able to say anything nakamura just simply says tell gunther to come on 
love it love that short and sweet following this viking raiders about to make their entrance their attack from behind by kofi kingston which i was not gonna lie i was surprised you don't normally get that kind of fiery anger out of the new day uh but yeah kofi kingston attacks them from behind with a kendo stick but the issue is the viking raiders have shields and the shields are really good at blocking sword-like objects and so they get the upper hand they beat them up with the shield and then uh ivar the big guy hansen as i know him he gets up on the railing and hits a splash onto the floor onto kofi that looked rough for everyone involved poor ivar's knees uh but yeah good stuff that seems to like write off kingston for the next week uh because we'll talk about the preview for next week but essentially i don't think kingston's gonna be there uh, good stuff though really good way to like move this feud forward with wrestling in a short amount of time we get backstage interview next with uh or sorry not a backstage interview just a backstage segment next with Sami Zayn. he's knocking on roman's door and the usos come out to answer uh it looks like he's gonna say something but before he can mcintyre attacks he jumps the usos and beats them up in that little core way and Sammy takes off running, absolutely doesn't want anything to do with this. Um, and then McIntyre just gives some trash talk. He says that if you keep getting into his business, he's going to kick your ass. I love it. Good stuff. Really, really exciting, like, first hour of SmackDown. Um, everything felt tied together. These, like, feuds are really forming. I like it. It's good stuff. Following this, we get the returning hit row. Asante Diodonis, Top Dalla, and they're joined by B-Fab. Um, they, Top Dalla also mentioned that uh, people kind of broke the news before, which is true. It was kind of spoiled beforehand, but they didn't know that B-Fab was actually going to be there. So they had B-Fab come out last to make it a little more dramatic, which I, I like that touch. You know, he pays attention. Um, after this, though, oh, well, no, during this, before this, technically, uh, we have their opponent's trevor urban and brandon scott in the ring and pat mcafee gets to use his little madden pen madden marker again and he just like circles their opponents while they're waiting they don't know who's gonna come out right so he circles them and he's like these guys have one two three four five pieces of poop coming out of their pants they don't know what's about to hit them really funny i really enjoyed that uh, and then, of course, Hit Row come out. They get the win here with their heavy hitter, the, the like drop kickback suplex combo they do. Um, they then get on the mic, they reintroduce themselves, and they're here. They say they're the OG3. I like that name. Uh, I don't know if they're going to run with the OG3 or they're going to stay with Hit Row. Uh, but either way, I like the names. Good names. Uh, next up, we have Caleb Braxton trying to interview Gunther. But Gunther wants to continue this game of telephone and tells Kayla to tell Nakamura that he will suffer at the hands of the ring general. Uh, I don't know if that message really ever went to Nakamura. I would love to see, like, this would be too comedic for it, but I would love to see this game of telephone go wrong, kind of like a real game of telephone where they kind of just garble up whatever each one of them says. Uh, So that'd be fun. But anyways, after this, we have possibly the best ronda rousey segment since her car police brawl 
with Charlotte and Becky Lynch leading up to WrestleMania. You remember the one, the one where she like kicks the door on Charlotte. This is this is Ronda Rossi. I want to see this is entertaining. I enjoyed this a lot. And I think it does a great job of building up Liv. I do have one minor gripe, but we'll get to it when we get to it. Um, Ronda Rousey comes down to the ring from the crowd. She has a big bag uh, and she spills out the contents being a bunch of money uh, onto this table that's laid out uh, for the contract signing that is supposed to be happening between Baszler and Liv Morgan. Uh, but she dumps money all over, right? She says that's, that's her suspension money. That's because uh, she can afford it. And then, you know, she kind of gets told to leave Rousey instead. Uh, instead of leaving peacefully, she attacks one of the security guards after they put their hands on her. Um, after that, Baszler comes down. She kind of like, hey, that's not how we do things around here. And Rousey gets in her face and tell her, you used to be a killer. Oh, I loved it. I love that stuff. That great chemistry that they haven't tapped into and now they're getting into it and I like it. Um, but then after that, we actually have the contract signing. Shayna Baszler cuts a promo bragging about how she ran through the entire SmackDown women's division in that gauntlet match, which isn't really true at all. Um, and then she says that, you know, Liv Morgan's going to be next. Baszler then signs the contract. Liv Morgan makes her way out to the ring. She tells her that Baszler will not beat her because Baszler is just the bootleg Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey and I've already beaten the real deal. This is where the crowd, again, the you tapped out chants come in. So they really need to do something about that. Um, and then Baszler, she just gets really upset and they start fighting. Eventually, though, Morgan is able to hit a bulldog on Shayna Baszler through the contract table. Uh, she stands strong to end the segment. That's the part I didn't like. Um, she's in an arm brace she really shouldn't be picking up when uh, uh, like a stand strong moment against Baszler she should look a little more like an underdog in my opinion I get that you're trying to book her as a strong champion but you have this literal crutch there that you could use to give her a little more underdog momentum um, so that's just my own personal opinion I don't necessarily dislike this feud or this segment because of that it's just what I would have done after this, we see Sami Zayn getting confronted by the Usos for running away. I think Jay calls him a track star. I thought that was so funny. And then he just reiterates, like, you need to step up or your ass is getting left behind. Great stuff. And then he's like, and we're about to go call out Drew right now. And sure enough, we go to commercial, we come back, and the Usos are in the ring. They're calling out Drew McIntyre. They say, Drew, get yourself a partner and come get this work. And I loved it. That's great stuff. But Drew comes out really fast, unexpectedly fast. Um, and so it looks like we're going to have a handicap match between Drew McIntyre and the Usos. Um, but after a little while of that handicap match, uh, Rick Moss, uh, Madcap Moss, excuse me, comes out and he like just gets involved. He, Which to me feels like a DQ to me because the, the bell had already rung it's already a handicap match but it does play into the finish here as um moss pulls jay to the outside of the ring jay clotheslines himself and moss over the barricade uh mcintyre hits a headbutt this is a really good like sequence here mcintyre hits a headbutt on jimmy jimmy responds with a super kick uh drew puts uh true comes back though he hits a thundershock ddt and a claymore kick for the win 
Um, oh, actually, I think he just hits the Claymore kick here. Yeah, just the Claymore kick. Then he hits the Future Shock on Jay Uso. Um, and then he looks for the Claymore on Jay. But right before he's able to hit it, Sami Zayn pushes Jay Uso out the way and takes the bullet for the Bloodline. Um, and Drew McIntyre just kind of shrugs, like, I don't care who I hit as long as I hit somebody. Um, that was good stuff, though. I, it's going to be interesting if that turns Jay Uso back on Sammy's side or what this does for their relationship. Again, like I pitched last week, I would really love to see Sammy have the 24-7 title to be like his title to earn his way into the bloodline. But, you know, doing nice acts of service is someone's love language. So this could be it. Um, following this, gosh, this... I don't know if this is segment of the week, but I really love this segment. It's so goofy, but I thought it was so well done. Mace and Mansoor are getting their photo shoot done. You know, maximum male models. They're, they've got the studio set up. Everyone's taking pictures. Everyone is so close in this. Keep this in mind. Everyone is like nearly kissing this entire time of like just the level of closeness between people. Uh, Los Lotharios, Angel Garza, and Humberto Carrillo, they interrupt this segment and they say, you know, if you really want this agency to take off, we're the most handsome tag team in WWE, which is true, very true. Um, Max Dupree tells them they aren't maximum male model material, but Humberto says, we're not talking to you. And once he says that, Angel, like, just slyly maneuvers his way around, uh, around what's his stupid name Eli Drake around him and goes up to Maxine real smooth I enjoyed it so much and like I said everyone's really tight quarters so to do that he had to like kind of shove his way through and then he, and he basically said give us, a, give us a call I loved it I thought it was so good and then at the end what's his name Max Dupree he's like come on guys back to work this stuff ain't cheap really good stuff I'm excited to see where this goes uh, the battle for the most handsome tag team in the WWE, that's something I would like to see. Following this, we have Kayla Braxton. She's interviewing Ricochet. This is a really good interview. Ricochet just basically, you know, he's like, yeah, I'm riding on a high from beating Baron Corbin. And he's putting out the call to whoever wins uh, this match tonight between Rick, uh, Shinsuke and uh, Gunther. And after that, though, he's attacked by Baron Corbin, just gets rushed out of nowhere. So that feud is continuing. I've been watching Up Up Down Down a lot recently. Uh, they're doing their GM mode series, uh, Breezy Baby and Xavier Woods, Austin Creed. And Ricochet and Baron Corbin are both in it a couple times. And you could just tell like they are having fun being able to feud with each other on TV because they're good they seem like good friends outside of the ring. So I like stuff like that. Um, anyway, but if you haven't watched anything from Up Up Down Down, I highly recommend this like GM mode thing they're doing it's not too long you can still catch up it's really good stuff i really enjoy it anyways after this we have a video package for zoe stark and nikita lines um someone on twitter i think it was fiending for followers said that this uh felt like uh power rangers acting and that's very true and then after that we get a great match wasn't match of the week but very good match nonetheless intercontinental championship match between Volter and shinsuke nakamura this was really good towards the end gunther uh, i hate calling him that but walter gets a rear naked choke in 
Nakamura breaks the hold because he was working Walter's arm the entire time. Um, and then he just gets nailed with a shotgun drop kick. And then a power bomb for the win. And Walter stands tall to end the show as he should. It was, like I said, really, really fantastic match. Got to see a little bit of old NXT Nakamura here. And Walter's just always outstanding as usual. There's a really nasty knee spot in this match that kind of scared me. It looked like Braun Strowman getting kneed by, uh, by what's his name, by Brock. Or no, Brock getting kneed by Braun Strowman. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, great SmackDown. Like genuinely really good SmackDown. I enjoyed it from start to finish. Let's move on to Monday Night Raw. The show opened up with the Judgment Day. They have a little bit of a too long of a promo, but not as long as they used to be, so I'll give them credit for that. Um, but essentially, uh, Finn Balor starts it off by just saying like he solidified himself as a legend by beating Rey Mysterio last week. And then he passes on to Damian Priest, who just basically says he's going to retire Edge the following week in Toronto in front of, you know, his home crowd. This brings out Rey Mysterio. He attacks them, which is a surprise because they said Rey wasn't going to be there, but then he immediately was. He comes out, attacks them, but he's overwhelmed. Finn Balor hits a coup de grace onto Rey Mysterio uh, with a steel chair on his chest. I really like the way that coup de grace sounded and looked. Because after he like delivered it, he kind of sat down right on Ray. Looked great. Like I said, it didn't overstay its welcome. It just Judgment Day is still not my. I, I just don't like the standard like promo like that, essentially. But at least it ended with some wrestling that I can get with, you know. After this, we have the women's tag team championship opening round. Uh, Alexa Bliss and Oscar taking on. Nikki A.S.H. and Dewdrop, they really were explaining like the story between Nikki A.S.H. and Dewdrop getting together, why Nikki got rid of her cape and is wearing a leather jacket. That stuff I really liked because it adds context to this team and it makes them honestly the longest tenured team in this tournament, I think. Uh, but that didn't do them any good because Alexa and Asuka are able to get the win here after just like a bunch of finishing moves on Dewdrop, and then Oscar uh, uh, taps her out with an octopus stretch that looks stiff. Uh, but it was it was a fun match though. Again, Alexa and Oscar didn't really find their chemistry until towards that end when they hit those big moves, and then Oscar taps her out. But that's to be expected from a team that hasn't really tied together that much. Backstage now we get Austin Theory. Um, he's giving an interview. He's immediately interrupted by Dolph Ziggler. And this is a really good promo here. He just basically says, Dolph Ziggler does, he basically says, the reason that it mattered for me to win the Money in the Bank contract is because I earned that. And Austin Theory says, unlike you, I won't ruin the rest of my career after he cashes in the briefcase. This gets them into a brawl. Uh, we go to commercial. We come back. They're still brawling. And now they've made their way into another part of the arena. They're fighting, they're fighting. But this is where it gets interesting. This is where I was like, oh, something's going on here. As they're brawling and security is trying to separate these two, we see a door in the back. And you see it slowly open. And a hand with a glove comes out and starts grabbing at the door. And it stands, it's like that for a minute, right? It's there for a good maybe 20 seconds. Comes back in. 
we don't see nothing else about it it's kind of like not talked about it's almost as if it never happened because no one mentions it now originally i was already like kind of the news about bray wyatt came out already so i was like oh my god that's bray wyatt that's bray wyatt's club but upon second viewing i can't confirm it's bray wyatt because the glove is plain it's a plain glove it's not his normal uh gloves from the fiend where it's just like hurt or whatever so i can't confirm it i rather think it's bray than think it's dexter but in all honesty i'm kind of just thinking it's dexter now which is fine i like dexter loomis and in the moment i was really excited so i was like oh my god this, this is such a huge tease right here maybe he's gonna come at the end of the night and stuff like that you know that's important that's really important stuff in a wrestling show that instantly make me made me want to stay until the rest of the third hour you know um i didn't i watched the show in two parts because that's just for my own sanity but um you know even to invoke that feeling in someone that watches wrestling so much i think that's that's a pretty big achievement so cool stuff following this we have tomaso champa backstage they're doing an interview he's mad him and the Miz are both mad that AJ Styles is gifted a United States Championship opportunity, which is a good call out because he sure is. Um, but speaking of gifts, Tommaso Ciampa uh, gets a necklace from the Miz. In it's pretty much Logan Paul's um, his Pokemon card that he wears around his neck, but it's just like a, a picture of him and Tommaso Ciampa. It's very cute. Um, it's foolish because Ciampa is definitely going to turn on you, sir. Uh, don't trust a psycho killer so we'll see uh following this though they trusted each other as they took on the team of cedric alexander and mustafa ali i love the team of cedric alexander and mustafa ali i've had them in my this is like really nerdy but in in every universe i've had in any universe mode from wwe 2017 or 18 onward I've had them listed as a tag team. I always use them. They're always constant tag champs for me. Uh, And I call them heart and soul because I think that's such a, like, just, duh, hello. They're literally the heart and soul of 205 Live. Like, come on. So we get this tag team that I've been wanting to see on TV because I know they've tagged on main roster, but now they're tagging on TV against Ciampa and The Miz. And while they lost, they nearly won. It took Tommaso Ciampa holding down the rope when Cedric was about to do like their finish. He pulls down the rope. This sends Cedric out of the ring. Mustafa goes for a 450 on the Miz. Upon landing, he gets a knee and a fairy tale ending from Ciampa to get their team to win. I enjoyed it very much. I marked out for Cedric and Mustafa. And great finishing sequence as always. Hope to see more of that team though. I hope this is like their feud for a little while. I know they're feuding with AJ, but like they're tag team feud. Um, following this, we get an update from Ezekiel. He's in a hospital bed. And we get a Photoshop image that is the cover of this podcast today. Uh, it's his family. It's his fam bam. You know, it's him, Elron. Uh, God, I can't even name everyone. But it's the entire family that is Elias and Ezekiel. And it's funny. It's good stuff. I enjoy that backstage we get drew mcintyre uh they just like oh he's gonna be on raw next and all of a sudden you see like backstage commotion i think this is where the trash can fire uh was like there was a trash can on fire and uh sean ross sap had like tweeted 
the day before Raw, I think on Sunday or maybe day of Raw, he said this week's Raw is going to be a dumpster fire, literally. And everyone was like, oh, this is what he meant. So that man, that man just knows. Anyways, back from commercial, we come back. We have uh, Drew McIntyre cutting a promo, talking about wanting to win the WWE Championship. He addresses the reports that his back is hurt and, you know, that's true. And his back hurts because he carries this company on his back. Uh, but more like it, his back is hurting. I forgot to report that, but essentially I think he's not on live events for a little while because of his kind of uh, health concerns. You don't want to get injured and stuff before this big match. So it makes sense to me. Anyways, though, so he just starts tossing out future matchups he wants. He's like, what about Drew McIntyre and AJ Styles? What about Drew McIntyre and Ciampa? What about Drew McIntyre and Kettering Cross and Seth Rollins? And then this brings out Kevin Owens. He interrupts him. Um, he, they get in. This is the segment of the week, by the way. I know I'm not delivering this with the best grace, but um, this is the segment of the week the fiery promo between kevin owens and drew mcintyre yelling at each other back and forth kevin owens just basically saying you had to find yourself i've always known who i am i'm a prize fighter i want blah 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 and uh everybody in this company is a target drew mcintyre fires back telling me he doesn't know anything about his story or whatever and then he just kind of stops and he's like you know what we're wrestlers we're in a wrestling ring why don't we just wrestle great great segment segment of the week really really enjoyed this uh and we get that wrestling match actually that's the best part of this whole thing is that immediately following that we get a wrestling match between kevin owens and drew mcintyre great stuff and as you would expect a match from them it's great it's really good stuff uh just as it looks like Drew McIntyre is about to hit the Claymore for the win, the Usos come in, they interfere, they cause a DQ. Um, that distraction. So Drew kind of fights them off for the second, turns around, eats a stunner from Owens. The Usos come back in, they're going to give him another 1D, but <laughs> unable to hit the 1D again because Drew McIntyre is just too strong. This is my only gripe with this is like he just got a stunner from Owens and attacked by the Usos previously, he probably should have ate the 1D here. I think this should have been that, but you know, still fine. Doesn't ruin it for me. And I know some people are like, oh, WWE still does DQ finishes. Yeah, but when it's done like this, when it ends in a brawl and it makes sense story-wise, I'm fine with it. I'm, I'm cool with it. And we still got a really good match leading into that. So I'm fine with it. Um, Following this, we have Riddle. He's being mic'd up for his interview. Seth Rollins comes down the ring. He's excited because he thinks that Riddle's going to announce his retirement. Um, but And that he thinks Riddle isn't in the building. He thinks he's in his mom's basement, as he keeps saying. Uh, but to everyone's surprise, Matt Riddle is not retiring. And in fact, he is in the building. And he runs down to the ring in his flip-flops, tries to get into the ring... Uh, Rollins tries to stomp him preemptively, doesn't work. They just brawl into the crowd. Uh, they brawl and brawl, and then it chases Seth Rollins off into the crowd. Um, that's a feud that, like, I'm kind of ready to be done with. I want Rollins in other spots, and I don't like Riddle that much, to be honest. He has some real bad personal issues that I don't agree with. So every time he's on my screen, I kind of just think of that. 
uh, which is unfortunate because I was really a fan of Riddle and NXT before I knew this, and now, you know, you just can't turn back around. But uh, yeah, I would like to see Rollins in another feud by now. So we'll see. They're going to have their match at Class at the Castle, or Clash at the Castle, and uh, should be a good match. Following this, we have a Vignette, Vig, Vignette, what the hell am I trying to say? A video package. Jeez, uh, I cannot say that other word. A video package just hyping up AJ Styles versus Bobby Lashley. That's really good stuff. That makes it feel like a pay-per-view match. Uh, we come back from commercial and Riddle officially challenges Seth Rollins to their match at Clash at the Castle. Following this, we have Veer Mahan coming onto Raw once again. Uh, this time, his jobber like tried to cat and mouse him, basically just running around the ring, come back in, stick and move, stick and move. Didn't really work out for him in the end though because Veer locks on his, uh, I forget what his hold is, but his choke thingy. And yeah, which I was, I think a lot of people were surprised to see Veer back on TV. I think Veer has a really cool story, if I'm not wrong. Like they made a Disney movie for this guy. So I'd really like them to start mentioning that and start getting into the deeper character that is Veer Mahan. Following this, we have Dakota Kai getting interviewed. Um, basically, it's like just hyping up her match. Uh, against, or sorry, hyping up her and Eels match against uh, Dana Brooke and Tamina. Dana Brooke then like gets in their face and says she's ready 24-7. So good stuff. Oh no, it was hyping up their singles match that was happening tonight. That's what it was. My bad. Uh, she steps up to Dakota and says that she's ready 24-7. I like that punch way in line. That's a good like, uh, it's a good takeaway from the 24-7 title. Uh, following this, we have an outstanding match the United States Championship between Bobby Lashley and AJ Styles. Early on in this matchup, The Miz and Ciampa make their way down to ringside. Bobby Lashley is just pummeling AJ Styles. Um, we go to... <laughs> this is like crazy. So AJ Styles getting pummeled. During the match, Dexter Loomis comes out of the crowd, tries to hop the barrier, and he's apprehended by security. And then we come back from commercial break. The Miz has been uh, taken out by Bobby Lashley. And then both he and Ciampa have been ejected from ringside. And then the rest of the match, we get like a really good, just good match between these two. But ultimately, Styles comes up a bit short. Bobby Lashley able to hit him with a spear for the pinfall win. Um, I don't expect this feud to end anytime soon. I'm still a little like, I'm curious on what they're going to do with Dexter Loomis because I just don't know what to do with a character like that, and I'm liking what I'm seeing. I really like what I see. The chaos he's causing is really fun, but, you know, eventually you do have to get to the point of it, and I think next week we'll get something more solid than what we've been getting. Uh, following this match, though, we have Dakota Kai taking on Dana Brooke. Dana Brooke kicks off the match with a Pele kick. Um, or, sorry, Dakota Kai kicks off the match with a Pele kick onto Dana, um, she follows that up with some, like, more kicks. Dana Brooke fires up, mounts some offense on Dakota, but ultimately Kai is able to hit her running corner kick for the win. We get another video package for Edge versus Damian Priest, which should be a really fun match, especially now that they're allowed to wrestle. Um, then we get a main event. Really good main event here. Austin Theory taking on Dolph Ziggler. Uh, this was just, like, a lot of fun. 
and it seems to put this feud to rest. I think Triple H wants to have a clean slate, and this was the last loose end for Theory's current story. So um, Theory, he goes for a super kick. Austin Theory is able to reverse it. Or sorry, Ziggler goes for a super kick. Theory reverses it. They exchange roll-ups, but in the end, Austin Theory hits the A-Town down for the win, closing off Monday Night Raw. So overall, WWE was really good this week. Like, this is getting to the point where I'm like, geez, maybe I'll start watching Raw live. Don't know if that'll happen. I don't know if I have three hours to commit to that, but I really enjoyed this week. It was really fun. Uh, definitely the match to check out from WWE is Gunther versus uh, Shinsuke Nakamura. That match was just outstanding. It was so, it felt so invigorating to see Nakamura wrestle like that again. Uh, so really good stuff. Let's uh, move on to AEW Rampage from last week, same day as SmackDown, if you'll remember. This, um, this, I'm not gonna lie, this Rampage sucked. Had one really good segment though, really good segment. Everything else, take it or leave it. Like I, I honestly, I would leave it. Pretty much everything else. It was nice to see some things, but most of this Rampage was not good. It wasn't quality TV. But let's talk about the bright side here, and that was Brian Danielson's in-ring interview with Tony Schiavone that eventually gets interrupted by Garcia, and we get some heart-to-heart stuff here. Garcia calling out Danielson, saying, you know, you were my hero when I was young, and it hurts me to see you consistently put your career in jeopardy, um, and that he's, and then he just basically says he's going to be the best technical sports entertainer in the world. Danielson gets pissed off. And he yells at him. He's like, if I was your hero, why don't you want to be the best technical pro wrestler in the world? And they get in each other's face. Here's the thing, okay? I love Daniel Garcia. I do. I really do. His delivery on his promos, not the best. But what he does exceedingly well is the unmic stuff. The little things in between the dialogue, Okay. And specifically, the best bit of this entire segment for me was Danielson grabbing Garcia by his face when he's like, look at me when I'm talking to you. And Garcia pulling away and his facial expression, and he just says, don't put your hands on me. Don't put your hands on me. Like, that is so good. And it's it's so real. I loved it. I love, that was the, for a 60-minute show, that was the best part of this entire rampage for me. Was that and Danielson saying like he loved Garcia because he saw him do a 60-minute Iron Man match in front of 200 people. Like that stuff, that character stuff is really interesting. It's really well done. I really enjoyed this. Following that, we have something I did not enjoy pretty much at all. So I'm not going to talk about it that much. Triple A mixed tag championship match. Uh Ty Conti and Sammy Guevara taking on Sky Blue with Dante Martin. Uh, Ty and Sammy hit the take, or sorry, take KO for the win. You can figure out who did that. Um, Lucha Bros cut a promo backstage. It's Ray Phoenix. It's Penta. They reveal that their issues with Andrade is not over, but then they also say that Pac is coming back and the Death Triangle is targeting those trios tag team titles. Following this, we have the worst match of the week um I, I usually don't even talk about that but like god i hate this match and i hate it what it leads to parker boudreaux with slim J taking on sunny kiss 
Parker wins here pretty handily with a back suplex uh, lariat combo uh, for the win. Following this, we have a really funny segment between Andrade and Roosh uh, putting together the, um, uh, the what used to be the Hardy family office, the kind of the remembrance of that. Uh, Butcher and the Blade are there, Private Party are there, and they basically say, you know, we're going to win the trios titles, me, Roosh, and Dragon Lee. But you guys need to focus on winning the tag titles. And then uh, a private party kind of get upset. They're like, you know, it's people like you. You've been sleeping on us. Well, now it's time to wake up. And Andrade says, I do not care. Just get the titles. I loved it. Uh, Butcher and the Blade definitely need to leave this group. So do private party. I think that's going to happen. Um, I'd rather see Butcher and the Blade anywhere else, feuding with anyone else. Um, because right now they're not doing anything. And I, I don't know if there's injuries to play with that. There might be, but, you know, I really I really like Butcher and the Blade. I also really like Private Party. Um, so we'll see where this leads to. I know that, you know, Private Party probably aren't going to win the tag titles anytime soon, but they definitely could be built to that level. Following this, we have the Gun Club uh, taking on Beardhausen, uh, the team of... Eric Redbeard and Danhausen. This was fun enough. Um, towards the finish here, Danhausen gets tagged in. Uh, he tries to hit a lariat and a leg sweep. Uh, they try to do like I think it's the Authors of Pain's old finish, uh, where Danhausen has him for a Russian leg sweep, and it looks like Eric's gonna like run the ropes to hit a clothesline. Well, the ropes get ropes get lowered on him, so Redbeard's outside. Austin hits a Famouser on Danhausen for the win. Billy Gunn said that no wonder they call them the ass boys because they need to be toughened up. And then Billy Gunn revealed that they'd be wrestling on Dynamite, which we will talk about because it was the worst segment of the week. Well, no, not the week, but it was the worst segment on Dynamite for sure. Um, and then Stokely Halfway, he comes out, he tries to get the business card, and he's brushed off once again. Uh, following this, we have the AEW Tag Champions, Swerve in Our Glory. They're being interviewed backstage about uh, Private Party. Lee says they're going to mop the floor with Cassie. And Swerve said that uh, he's not worried about numbers unless they're counting all this money. And uh, Swerve said that they wanted this match and they're going to have it on Dynamite. Uh, they're going to have it for Dynamite. That's a little weird because that didn't end up happening on Dynamite. Now that I'm looking at these notes. LOL. Anyways, um, FTW title. Champion Hook. He's getting interviewed. Hook confirms that this is an open challenge belt. This brings out the reality. Zach Clayton, someone I've never heard of. Um, he comes out to the ramp. He challenges Hook. Basically calls him New York scum. He says he's going to bring the FT title back to the holy land. To the God's country of New Jersey. I thought it was fine enough. I don't know who this guy is. I would rather have anyone else, but whatever. After this, we have Mark Henry. He's interviewing. He's doing the standard, you know, pre-main event interview with Ari Davari, uh, the Trust Busters. Or no, just Ari Davari and Orange Cassidy. Davari calls uh, Cassidy one of the best in the world. Davari said that if Cassidy's not going to join the Trust Busters, he's going to beat his ass, which is the next best thing. Orange Cassidy just tries to steal Mark Henry's line, and then we have the main event. Orange Cassidy takes on Ari Dvari. Uh, Dvari got Cassidy with the Kano Classic for a near fall. He then goes for some lariats, but eats an orange punch for the win for Orange Cassidy. 
after the match, Trustbusters attack. Sunny Kiss comes out. Looks like she they are gonna make the save uh, for Orange Cassidy, but they turn on him, and uh, yeah, that sucks. I don't want to see Sunny Kiss with them at all. I don't want to see the Trustbusters on my TV. I don't like Parker Boudreaux. I like Ari Davari enough. Uh, Sunny Kiss. I'd rather them be anywhere else. Anywhere else. So we'll see how that goes. Following this, we have a Dynamite to talk about. Dynamite was really good. Let's just get it out there. Dynamite was near perfect. Near perfect. Two big exceptions to that that we'll talk about. The show opened up the best way it could. CM Punk, he's offering Hangman Page a title match. Uh, Page did not show up. CM Punk moves on to verbally calling out John Moxley. He says that Moxley's the third best guy in his own group, uh, a, throughout, a theme throughout his career. He says he's the second best John he will beat for a championship in Chicago. You know, a lot of WWE references there. John Moxley eventually comes out. They trade blows one-on-one, like, you know, talking. It's not the best, Moxley, but I liked it enough. Then they just start slap boxing, essentially. Just start punching. And that first slap from Moxley was stiff. They get into a pull-apart brawl. And we'll return to this later. But essentially, they get into a pull-apart brawl. And then we have to move on to the first match of the night. The two out of three falls match between Brian Danielson and Daniel Garcia. Absolutely stellar match. This is match of the week overall. I love this match. I think I might watch it again today. So, so good. Ricky, the Dragon Steamboat, is special guest timekeeper for this one. Oh, also this is House of Dragons edition of Dynamite. So a lot of dragon stuff going on. This match, I'm not going to go into full detail here. Oh, uh, Chris Jericho is the special guest commentator as well. And he immediately is like, I hate Ricky Steamboat. Hate him. Love that. But let's go fall by fall. So Garcia reverses a triangle hold that Danielson has on him. He lifts him up into a nasty pile driver. One of the most I've ever been scared of a pile driver. Hits him with a pile driver and then immediately locks in a beautiful dragon sleeper to pass out Daniel Bryan. What I loved about that was as soon as the pass out happens, he tells the ref, start counting, start counting. So the ref starts counting to see if Danielson can make it back to his feet at all. And that would automatically give him the second fall. So, really good stuff there. And then, a little more happens. Uh, they go to the outside. Danielson gets DDT'd onto a concrete flooring. He gets busted open. And then, Danielson grabs Garcia. You know, how he usually grabs the wrist for the Danielson stops. He grabs him and he puts him against the turnbuckle. Or, sorry, the uh, the what's it called? The post the post itself and he just starts pulling him into the post in that real Nigel McGuinness spot where he like just headbutts the post essentially and this busts open uh Garcia they get back in the ring Danielson's able to get a roll up on Garcia for the second fall so now we're at 1-1 we get a lot more back and forth here a really great great match for that last fall but eventually um Danielson would stomp on Garcia's head, which I almost thought was going to give him a TKO. Then he takes the wrist control, locks in the label lock for the pass out win. 
um, really good stuff. Like, really good. It might, it's, uh, it's up there for match of the year, for sure. Really good. After the match, Danielson, well, first of all, after the match, Danielson kind of like, he's gesturing to the crowd, telling him, you know, give this kid a round of applause, basically. And they start chanting at Garcia, you're a wrestler over and over again so Danielson stands him up and he's about to shake Garcia's hand and he puts his hand out there Garcia's thinking about it and it really looks like he's about to do it Chris Jericho comes into the ring he attacks Danielson he's stomping away but Garcia pulls Jericho off of him he pulls him off of him and turns him around really quick like he was going to strike him and so this infuriates Jericho he said you better think about this you better think about what you're doing right now and they both just walk off. And we'll hear a little bit about that later. But yeah, that was a great closing segment to that match as well. So I really enjoyed that. Following this, we get a kind of an awkward uh, private party. And uh, Keith Lee slash Surf's uh, Swerve in Our Glory promo bit here. But essentially, they're going to have a match on Rampage this coming Friday. Following this, it looks like Tony Nese is going to come out for a match when he's struck from behind by John Moxley and he he strikes Mark Sterling too and then he calls out Punk again he's like I'm not waiting you need to come out here and so they come out they brawl again they're pulled apart again this time Claudio has to physically pick up John Moxley and get him out of there um and so that was great that was great stuff I love a continuation of that next we have Chris Jericho he's backstage being interviewed he's like Next week, I want to have a talk with Daniel Garcia right in the middle of the ring. You need to choose your side right now. Uh, So next week, we're going to get that segment. Um, Varsity Blondes and the Gun Club up next. As soon as the Varsity Blondes came out, I was like, oh, I really don't want to see this. But luckily, this match may be the quickest match in AEW history because it was really fast. Um, Immediately, Colton Gunn hits Brian Pillman off the apron, and then they drop... uh, Griff Garrison with their finisher for the very quick win. After the match, Billy Gunn gets in there. He's like, finally, you guys, this is what I'm proud of. Like, this is what I've been wanting y'all to do. This brings out Stokely Halfway. He's on the uh, ramp. We come back to the ring and we see the gun club have officially turned on their father. And then the Acclaim have to make the save. They run off the ass boys and then they say the magic words scissor me daddy ass and then they all scissor right in the middle of the ring um this segment was definitely the low point of dynamite uh it's just unfortunate i think they just had some timing issues here i think they were cut for time first of all and i think the reveal wasn't as good as they wanted it to be and that might have to do with just how like sudden that finish came it also was in a meaningless match. The match between Brian Pillman, or sorry, the Pillmans and them didn't mean anything. Now, if you would have had the, these two fight the Acclaim again and have the turn happen after the Acclaim match, then I could see it. You know, then I'd be like, okay, this makes, I think the crowd also would care more in that sense because the crowd did not care here until the Acclaim came out. So, Yeah, overall, I think they just had some timing issues here, and it wasn't the best setup to this. So we'll see where this goes. I like the pairing of Billy Gunn with the Acclaim. I really enjoy that, but I do think this is going to really test the gun club. This is going to be the deep waters of getting over. So 
and we'll see how this goes. Following this, we had the Death Triangle cutting a promo backstage. Pac is in the building, and he has that beautiful All-Atlantic Championship. He says he's looking forward to getting in the ring with Ozzy Open, and he has a score to with Will Ospreay. William Ospreay, I think he calls him. Following this, we have Jungle Boy coming out to the ring. He looks to challenge Kristen Cage at All Out. I really don't like that they have to mention the P-word every single promo they do, but whatever. He calls out Christian Cage. Christian Cage comes out. He says, no, we're not going to fight it all out. Not, not going to happen. Um, he gets in the ring, though. And he tries to persuade Jungle Boy to come back into his arms. Be, let him be the father figure he wanted him to be. And then they get into a huge brawl that kind of gets out of hand. Jungle Boy slams Christian Cage's head into the still steps multiple times. And then stomps on his arm really hard on it. Uh, so... Looking like we're going to get like a tweener, tweener Jungle Boy and the tweener Luchasaurus out of this feud. Um, it seems like Christian Cage, although is their enemy, has successfully corrupted both of these men, which I like. I think that's good stuff, and I think it's going to lead to really good stuff. Following this, we have FTR backstage with Wardlow, and they basically said they want a trios match with uh, Sandam Singh, Jay Lethal, and uh, God, what's his name? forget i always forget his name uh sanjay dutt sanjay dutt so they want a trios match between the six of them at all out surprisingly i saw a lot of people saying that they don't like this idea i don't like this idea either but as of now i don't see where else anyone would go you know ftr could face swerve in our glory but then they would have to win that wardlow could face Jay Lethal again, or send him sing on his own, but I don't think he's ready for that. So this kind of just like it feels like a compromise match. Um, at least they got to mention the pinnacle. They said no one messes with the pinnacle, uh, which is you know not really the case because MJF isn't here. But I think it'll all change once you see Wardlow do the power bomb. If he does the power bomb on Sandam Singh, that'd be great. If he does a power bomb symphony on him, that'd be even better. So we'll see. Like I said, I, I think it's kind of a compromise. I think people, I feel like FTR aren't at 100% right now. Warlow might not be at 100% right now. And putting them together just to get this kind of over with, I'm kind of fine with it. Dax does, however, challenge Jay Lethal for a match next week. Uh, so we will get that. And that will probably be a really good match. Next up, we have the the other issue with this week's Dynamite. We have Kalen King taking on Tony Storm. This is a medium-length match with no heat and no stakes. An absolutely forgettable match uh, that Tony Storm wins with a German suplex uh, after a sweet chin music, and then she has a pendulum DDT to actually win. God, that freaking hip attack she does is just brutal. I can't watch it. It's so brutal. Um, but, yeah, like I said, this had nothing... This offered nothing to the show, unfortunately. I love Tony Storm. I even thought Kalen King did a really good job here, but... It's just there was no reason to have this match other than we need to have a freaking women's match. They really need to get that in order. Like, bad. This is not good. I, I hate it. Every week I have to say this, but like, get your shit together, Tony. Like, we want women's wrestling. It's pretty simple. Following this, though, we get the shocking revelation that the unification bout between John Moxley and CM Punk will not take place at All Out, but instead will take next 
take place next week on Dynamite. That's a that's a big risk, guys. Like, I don't know why they're doing this. I'm glad because I get to watch it for free, right? But it's a big risk to have both of your main champions compete on free TV, especially when you're having such a bad luck streak with injuries. And the way these guys wrestle, there's no way they're going to take it easy here. Um, and the way that Tony Khan books, I don't think there's going to be a, a dusty finish. I think this is going to be a legit match with a legit winner. And that winner, I kind of see being punk. So we're going to see. Um, should be good, though. And in the main event, we have the trios tournament first round match between the Young Bucks and their mystery opponent taking on Andrade El Idolo, Rush, and Dragon Lee. Um, this was phenomenal. And, well, you know, I said Mr. Opponent, Kenny Omega's back, guys. Kenny Omega is back in AEW. But this is not the Kenny Omega of old. This is a injured Kenny Omega. At least that's what the story is. I don't necessarily know how one, how Kenny Omega feels, but the way this match happened, the way he was selling in this match, his attire even... Everything about it just, you know, is saying, you know, this is not Kenny Omega at 100%. So I wouldn't be shocked if they don't win this tournament. And it might be Kenny's fault they don't win it and the Bucks turn on Kenny. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be shocked. But let's enjoy it while it lasts. Kenny Omega is here. He wears a compression shirt the entire time. He has a sleeve on his shoulder and he really doesn't wrestle a whole ton in here but what he does is insane um eventually here down the stretch they do that's oh my god so uh, Rush and andrade they pull the barricade closer to the ring they mount omega on top of the barricade dragon league does a suicide dive through the ropes onto omega into the first rope insane spot they get omega back in the ring Eventually, Omega is able to hit a V-trigger that genuinely looks like it knocked Dragon Lee out. And I really cannot tell if Dragon Lee was out or not. Because once they he hits it, right? He hits on the ropes like he normally does. Lee looks out of it. He picks up. Uh, Omega picks him up. He It looks like he's deadlifting him for a one-winged angel because... He's not even able to get his foot over him. He hits the one-wing angel for the win. End of the match. And it's, it was a little scary, to be honest. And they give each other, like, the squeeze test and all that stuff. So I'm hoping they're okay. And I could tell that Omega was talking to Lee after the match. So hopefully he's fine. Um, then this is where the time crunch really hits. Andrade hits the ring. Uh, he starts unstrapping Lee's mask. And I'm like, oh, boy, he's going to do something. Sure enough, they hit the hammerlock DDT on Lee. His mask falls off in the process, and then we fade to black. It's over. Um, definitely seems like there's more to that, and we probably will get some more of that on Dynamite. But, uh, yeah, crazy match. Good match. But we'll see where this Kenny Omega story goes. I don't know if he's really hurt. Because if he's really hurt, you know, I don't want to see him in there. But if he's just selling, like, he is a really good seller. Uh, so we'll see. That was all for AEW this week. Dynamite was definitely the show to watch for AEW. You can definitely skip Rampage this week. Uh, but that 2 out of 3 falls match, just stellar. 
sports entertainment, pro wrestling, whatever you want to call it. That was stellar. Um, let's switch gears here. We have the New Japan G1 winner announced. Um, Kodichina Okada defeated Will Ospreay to capture his fourth, I think his fourth G1 uh, tournament uh, win. I did not watch this yet. So I'm only getting the results. Honestly, I haven't watched much of the G1. That's why I haven't talked about it as much. Haven't had the time. Nor have the matches seemed that great. Um, of course, the semis and the finals are always fantastic. So we're going to see. Uh, if I, I think I might go check out that final. I'm not the biggest Will Ospreay fan from a character perspective. But I heard that he kind of switches his character up in this match. So it might be good. Um, so the final results, though. A block was won by Okada. Tamatanga won the B block. That was a surprise to me. And... Um, and Tetsuya Naito, he won the C block, and Osprey won the D block, and then, of course, you know, Osprey beat Naito, Okada beat Tamatanga, and now we have our winner. And let's look ahead to next week. Um, I, well, yeah, I already talked about my match of the week and my segment of the week, right? Match of the week, overall, two out of three falls match between Brian Danielson and Daniel Garcia. Segment of the week, Kevin Owens and Drew McIntyre's verbal uh, verbal back and forth on Monday Night Raw. Now, next week's preview. Let's talk about what's going to happen on Friday Night SmackDown. It says Nikita Lyons and Zoe Stark will be taking on Sonya Deville and Natty Neidhart. That should be fine. Then we have the Viking funeral for the New Day. I'm interested to see how this is going to play out. Um, silly segments like this under Vince would have been a big no-go for me. But I trust Triple H enough to make this segment at least entertaining. And we will get Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns going face-to-face. I'm guessing they're just going to have a promo battle that Karrion Cross will interrupt in some way. I would really love to see Sami Zayn in there somehow. On Monday Night Raw for next week, we have Alexa Bliss and Asuka taking on Io Sky and Dakota Kai in their semis. I think it's the semis of their tournament. And Edge will take on Damian Priest in Toronto. Uh, that should be fun. That should be a really good match now that they're able to wrestle how they like to wrestle. For this week's Rampage, we have Claudio Castanoli set to address the room. Um, I'm guessing we're going to get a new challenger for him. Uh, I don't know who would that be quite yet. I wouldn't be surprised if like Josh Woods or someone steps up. Someone from the original Ring of Honor steps up to him. And then we have the FTW title match between Hook and the reality Zach Clayton. I think Hook is going to win this handedly. Uh, Then we have the AEW Trios Championship Tournament quarterfinal match between the Trustbusters and the Best Friends. I pray to God the Best Friends win that one. Then we have the AEW World Tag Team Championship uh, match between Swerve and Our Glory and Private Party. I think Swerve and Our Glory have that pretty handedly, but that should be a really fun match. May make Dynamite wor- or Rampage worth watching that week. And for Dynamite, we have Jay Lethal taking on Dax Hartwood, as well as another trios match, uh, this time between Death Triangle and the United Empire. That should be outstanding. 
And then we have the AEW Undisputed World Championship match. The interim champion, John Moxley, taking on CM Punk. My prediction is CM Punk. I really think they're going to run with him. Um, I know there's some rumors going around today, this morning, that CM Punk has some heat backstage. I don't know how much of that is true. Uh, I think that Punk is just, you know, he's that guy. He's the draw. Um, but I wouldn't be shocked if Moxley won it either. Moxley has been playing fantastic work since he's been interim champion. And I would love to see him get that shine and become the first ever official two-time uh, AEW champ. So yeah, guys, that's everything for this week. If you enjoyed the show, if you made it this far, like you need to be following this account on Twitter, Instagram, at Hold for Hold. Um, if you are here on the YouTube, thank you for joining in. I know there's nothing visual going on, so it's challenging, but thank you guys for joining in nonetheless. You can find me wherever you want to find me at Hold for Hold. And please leave a rating and review on this podcast uh, if that is something you would like to do because that would be really nice. And, um, yeah, I'll talk to you guys in the next one. Goodbye.